0: Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. welcome to a brand new episode of happy mum happy baby the podcast today's guest is a footballer she plays for man city she plays for england she's a lioness i have a lioness on the podcast and i am so absolutely thrilled she's also a mother of one adorable child hello demi stokes hello thank you for having me (laughs) how are you how's sleeping how has the first year been
2: Do you know what? The first year has just been a whirlwind. When people keep asking us, I'm like, it's just been crazy. Balancing football, being a mum, being a good partner, you know, being a good sister, like family member. It's just crazy. And do you know what? Sleep's not been too bad. He's a good. good sleeper. We figured that out quite late on, but we were like, just feed him. Give him a bottle, fill him up and he'll sleep. Seems to have worked. But yeah, but sleeping isn't too bad, you know, and... Katie's been a trooper, you know, with me training and I've got games and things coming up. If we had to get up, then Katie would get up. We try and, like, help each other out as much as we can and try and get a good balance. Even with football, has just been, you know, nothing that I've experienced before. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the journey. Yeah, amazing. Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? I was actually born in Birmingham. I was there till I was three. And we actually had to move because of domestic violence, and we moved to South Shields. My nan come with my mum, and I've so I've got three brothers, one sister. So she come up with all five of us.
0: Five kids as a single parent. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You're really close in age, some of you as well, aren't you? My mum had three under and now I say to her, "You're crazy." <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, so there was five of us. Nan and mum brought us up, and they did such a great job did the best they could. We've all blossomed into, you know, really nice, mature adult, and then doing well in our own little uh, niche that we have.
0: Yeah, what was it like growing up as a, a family with
2: five kids? Just crazy all the time. Like, I remember when we were younger, me and Whitney, my older sister, we used to wind Reese off all the time, but Reese had patience, and he used to look at my mum as if to say, right, can I kick off now? So my mum would give him the nod, so yeah, me and my sister, apparently, still always wind Wreath up. And then the younger two, I loved having two younger brothers because like, I used to like taking them to get the hair cut. I used to like dressing them. So now I've got Harlan. The boys are funny because they're like, I bet you love him doing his hair, dressing him. And I say, yeah, I do. That's like one thing I always make sure he has is good hair when he goes to nursery.
0: Yeah, I love the fact that you've also brought up the chaos. So I've got three boys. Chaos is the word that I use to describe it. And they met their cousin a little while ago, a little baby niece, my niece, And they literally went to bed that night crying over the fact that we weren't going to have any more babies. And I said to them, but it's chaos. Like having three kids already, there's a lot going on. And they were like, but we love the chaos. Bring on more chaos. And I was like, it's very easy for you guys to (laughs) say. For you, yeah. Yeah. If you can promise you'll be
2: good for the rest of your life, maybe we can have another one. (laughs) If
0: we can get through the next hour without fighting. Oh, we can't. Oh, there we go.
2: (laughs) Having three boys as well, I bet you that's like crazy because obviously we've got Harlem, but we tend to find our friends who have girls, they're very different as well. I keep saying Harlem's like a bull in a china shop. At nursery, she said, oh, we did like a nice sensory and there was lights in a tent and Harlem wouldn't go in it. I said, all right. I said, so Harlem, you won't go in a tent with nice lights and sensory, but what you do want to do when you're at home is sit on your car, stand on it and you want me to push you with no hands like (laughs) so it is just funny how they are and girls and yeah they're very different
0: they are and it's hard isn't it I think I try so hard not to gender stereotype or kind of go this is what boys do this is what girls do but having three boys you notice the difference when your mates are there and it's all really really calm because they've got girls who color I've got to say my third boy actually <laughs> he loves to sit and color he's oh, yeah? the calmest yeah he's the calmest. He's he has the just,
2: artist
0: yeah I mean he's just <laughs> discovered anger so that's also a fun thing to play around with his four but he's the first one that's really honed in on the, you know, what it's like to just sit and craft. Because I didn't have that with the other two. Oh, that's good. When you were younger, did you look ahead to the future and think of, like, your own future with a family and you as a mum?
2: So my mum always said, I always loved kids. She said, Demi, that's all you ever, like, when there was babies, even how you were we and were brothers. She said that was just always something you... Wanted to do
1: yeah.
2: is be a mom, and you know what? I love looking after people. I love caring for people, so I always think what better way is you know to mold your own little human. I'm not saying exactly how you want it because that's not how it works. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> but install like good values yeah. to you know this little human, and I just love watching like Harlan develop and grow. And you think wow, like I'm really surprised now at how like clever babies are. Yeah. Like, obviously, I had little brothers, but I don't... Because I was so young, you don't think about these things. But they're so smart.
0: They really they're are. very,
2: very smart. And they outsmart us a lot of the time, to be honest. Yeah, it's just such a nice feeling, I think. Yeah. So it's always been something that you thought you would love. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, we have nieces as well, and we have friends. And I always say, bring them over. Come for tea. Do this. And people are like, you are mad. And I'm like, I know, but the more, the better. and Yeah.
0: So how did you and Katie meet?
2: She's going to kill me, but she gets really embarrassed, actually. But it was over Instagram. She messaged me and, you know, our relationship just blossomed from there. But I always wind her up because they always say, you pied me at first. You know, I got the old, you know, I want to focus on studies and stuff. I think she was surprised at my response because I was like, that's fair enough. I said, good luck with your study and, you know, maybe I'll see you around. Um, and I said, if you need help with uni, since I've been through it give me a shot I don't mind
0: yeah it it just developed from there. Do you remember talking about starting a family or whether you both wanted one?
2: Yeah it sounds really cheesy but when you know you do know and I think we had been together just over a year and we were talking about kids and it seemed really like authentic and natural it it wasn't like something I was scared of you know or or shied away from because obviously we're in a same-sex couple I think that conversation does have to be had early because You've got a plan, you've got to go to the clinic. So it's not even just, oh, yeah, let's have kids and then that's it. There's a whole lot of planning to it. So I think it was important we had that conversation. Yeah. Because I do think, obviously, then that would have been the make or break of, all right, no, I don't want kids. All right, okay, then that's not going to work. We basically had the conversation and then we said, right, well, do we go NHS route? But we knew the waiting list for that is, look, for a donor is two, three years. So we just said, you know what, let's do it ourselves and we got planning.
0: And there's so much to think about within that as well, like who's going to carry, who's egg, like, you know, what sperm are you looking for? Like there's so much to think about within that and plan.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think naturally because of my career and playing football, Katie said, look, I'll carry. But then I was like, are you sure you don't want to put your career on hold? Because at the time she was doing a degree in psychology. And she said, no, that's something I want to do. She had this thing where she was like, by 30, I want to be doing this and this. And I said, stop putting pressure on yourself because there's enough pressure it is when you're trying to have a baby. So I think we have been together two years at that point and we started planning. So we started, uh, we joined groups. Once we decided Kate okay, would carry, then it was like, okay, we want the baby to replicate how I look. So then it was like, what do we go for? Jamaican donor do we go for a white donor so there was a lot to think about and actually it was such a tough time because I thought I was going to go to the clinic we were going to get Katie checked and there was going to be a long list of donors waiting for us to pick and actually there wasn't any. Really? Yeah so we were like right okay what do we do now so you know you can look online there's a lot of um, like American sites so we also went on there and it sounds really horrible when you speak about it but it's almost like you're like trainer shopping or something, because you're like, we can have that color eyes and this hair texture. And you actually again you think about it too much because then um, you get a little picture as well online. And you go through them in case going, well, no, I don't like the way his ears are or his eyes. And is see. that the
0: donor as a baby, that picture?
2: Yeah, so you can see baby pictures and then if you subscribe again, more yeah. money, you could get an adult picture. Whereas I just was like, look, if you go off my features and then we put that in then you know we'll be fine but to be honest I was like if I had a pink baby a green baby put on my doorstep (laughs) I'm taking it in and I wasn't too bothered of how baby was gonna look you know and I said if we used a white donor, I'd be totally fine with that because it's just someone we're gonna love regardless so yeah that process was just such a whirlwind and then because I'm Jamaican we wanted something quite specific
0: and there just wasn't very many. Did you have any friends in same-sex couples that had been through it before you? Because I can imagine that there's not a lot of information out there. Maybe it's only when you start looking for it that the information is there. And then can it be overwhelming, the amount of things? And not knowing what is the right path or, you know, yeah. how do you know where to go? It is overwhelming and I do have like friends who
2: are in same-sex couples who had babies, but because of the ethnicity, because we wanted something so specific, I couldn't really relate to people yeah. or didn't really know where to look. At one point I was like, Katie, like I'd be happy if we used a white donor. Like I really wouldn't be bothered by that. I kept telling myself we're very fortunate that we can afford to do this, and that's how I kept Katie grounded as well, because at one point when it, you know, it wasn't working, she'd be like, oh, let's just get a puffy," And I'd be like, you just want a puffy because this is tough. Yeah. But I remember saying, Katie, look, I found this story and there was a woman who didn't even have any eggs. She didn't ovulate. She had no donor. And then she was running out of money. And I was like, Katie, this is awful. So we are very fortunate and we're very lucky. So that's how we almost kept going with it. Luckily, COVID hit. And the NHS, I think, passed their donors to private. So it was just random that we, you know, I I got a phone call. I think I'd just got back from the Olympics. And we got a phone call saying, someone's come in, very similar features to Demi, same skin tone, hair texture. Do you want them? And we just said, yeah. But it almost made our choice easy because we didn't have a picture. We didn't get to see anything. And it was almost just like, it's going to be our baby and we're going to love it. So it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, it is a tough journey and I think there needs to be more information and I think more help as well because I always say financially, what if you can't? Yeah. And I just think that's so sad for families to miss out because of financial reasons.
0: One thing you've been great about actually with your teammates, Man City teammates, is you've said to them, ask me questions. Ask whatever you want to know. It feels very much like you want them to know what you've been through and also to help know what journey you're on and you know how that might help them in the future
2: yeah absolutely me and katie spoke about this i said you do know when we go through this process we're going to get loads of questions and as well because harlan is going to be a certain ethnicity like even before harlan was even born he had so much pressure it was like (laughs) is his hair going to be curly how dark is he going to be how light is he going to be we had all these questions and i mean i laugh about it but it's just because people are so intrigued but I don't think they know how to you know say it in the right way yeah and I remember when Harlan was born we would be out and people were like oh he's got a good tan just just little things like that and I would laugh about it and Katie would be like does that bother you and I'd just say well no depending on how I'm feeling on the day sometimes I'm like okay that's rude or again I, I had this conversation with Katie because I said and she was like Demi I, I didn't realize that's how you have to think sometimes and I was like well, yeah you're gonna to have to now because yeah. you're gonna get them questions and because you're white and harlan is of a darker tone people are gonna look at you funny and say oh are you his auntie and she was like really and i was like honestly katie like unfortunately that's the world we live in and that's the things that you will face and we will face yeah. as a family
0: yeah so after you found your sperm donor what happened after that what was the process Katie
2: basically let her take um like hormonal injections to create the eggs. She was rough for like two weeks. She said it was like having a hangover for two weeks. She didn't feel great. And that's why we went to the caravan just to try and get away from everything, yeah. you know, settle everything down. No like outside noise or pressure basically. She then had to take the hormone injections to create the eggs. She then obviously got the eggs taken out and then you have to wait to see basically which eggs fertilise well and what can be used so yeah it was quite a quick turnaround to be honest from getting katie's eggs taken out to then going back in i think it was october or just before we went to the clinic and got the eggs put back in i remember when the egg got put back in the waiting just seemed so long
0: what was it like though Uh, seeing that dish with that egg knowing that that could be you know
2: when I look back now, like everyone says, oh, it took ages. And I said, I don't think it did because if you think of the process we had to do, you've got to get your egg taken out, you've got to you know, produce them, and then yeah. you've got to go, go in and it gets put back in. I think the turnaround once we got a donor was quite quick. Right. I remember seeing it on the screen and I always say, it just looks like a little raisin. And I remember the doctor saying, oh, the egg's in here and it was the tiniest, thinnest tube. I was like, where? Because I can't see anything. <laughs> Because I took a picture when I was there and I've still got the picture of the egg on the screen. But when I look at that and then I see Harlem, I just think it's so incredible and crazy that it yeah. was Harlem.
0: Leaving the clinic from that point and waiting to see what happened must have been agonising for you both. Or were you able to just leave it and park it until you knew you could test?
2: So I remember we went to the clinic, Kate got the egg put back in and we went to the Trafford Centre. It was just to keep busy. And it's funny, Katie got some McDonald's fries and she's adamant, she says the fries help. I said, all right, if you think that, then that's fine. But I knew there was a test date and there's an app. So obviously Katie had the app and she obviously had the date of when she was allowed to test. She always wanted it to be a surprise for me. So I didn't actually know when the date was coming up. um, Nothing of the sort. And I remember I had a game and I went out with some of the girls after for some food. On the Friday, on the Saturday, she was hyper, like climbing the walls, like unbelievable. So I thought it must be coming up, but I was planning on going home on that Tuesday. And I thought, I've got to be careful here. Cause I'm thinking if I say I'm going home and it's a test date, she's not going to be happy. So I said, oh, I'm thinking about going um, up to my moms and my sisters on Tuesday. I said, do you fancy coming? She was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I thought, right, perfect. So then I was like, it can only be Sunday or Monday, like <laughs> that it was happening. So on the Sunday I went out and then I got a text on Sunday while I was out and she was in a mood. She was like, it's not worth, I'm not pregnant. Like just this big spiel now. And I was like, look, just calm down. Just wait, be patient. It was Monday, the test date. And I thought we were being burgled. So the bedroom door flung open. So usually I'm a light sleeper. So Katie moves or gets up, I usually wake up. But for whatever reason, I was in this deep sleep. (laughs) But yeah, I thought we'd been burgled, so the door flung open. And she was like, Demi, Demi, go and look, go and look. And I was just like, okay, what's going on? Walked into the bathroom half asleep. And she was like, look. I remember just standing there and we just looked at each other and I was like, what the hell? (laughs) I just couldn't believe it. Once I seen it, I was like, it's really happening.
0: So you would have been living in hope that that would be what was about to be the result, but at the same time, so many things can happen there are so many variables looking at that tiny embryo in that little you know how can that possibly be it?
2: Yeah and that's how I was like throughout like pregnancy in the process I almost applied it how I do as being an athlete because there was times where Katie was like are you even bothered like are you even excited I had to explain it to her I would be like look Katie because pregnancy is so long and then things can happen and you can miscarry, like things like that. I was petrified and I remember I was like, right, she's pregnant. So then it was like, right, we ticked that off. And then it was like, right, I need to get you to 12 weeks. So then that was my next step. So it was like, right, okay, we need to get you to 12 weeks and then we'll go from there. It was like a step by step and it was like a thought process. So I had to explain it to Katie, like, I'm so excited because if I went to football and the girls would ask, I'd be like this, like I'd be telling the girls, but with Katie, I almost felt like I couldn't be too excited because I was like, if anything happens, it's me that has to bring you back down to earth and also myself. So I almost try to, like, stay
0: here, but sometimes... You're almost protecting yourself from whatever might happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. So she would be like, are you excited? And I'd be like, Katie, like, I'm so excited, and I'm sorry if I'm not, like, expressing it very well, but it's almost like I'm trying to look after both of us. And, yeah, once we were pregnant, it was like, right, like, get you to 12 and then once we got to 12 it was like right the next one is a 20-week scan okay after that you can start buying things and so it was just I think being an athlete and playing football that's how I um I dealt with it I think yeah that makes total sense
0: when did you start telling people We told my family really early, and then I told, like, one or two friends. I mean, if you knew that test was happening on the Monday and you were planning to go and see your family on a Tuesday, that is so difficult to kind of keep it.
2: Yeah. Well, it was weird because my mum was like, is Katie coming? And I was like, oh, no, no, she's not. I remember I went to my mum's house, and my mum looked at us as if to be like, well, you said Katie's not coming. Mm -hmm. It's quite weird, actually. It's quite funny at the time now, I think. I give my mum the pee stick. And I said, oh, mum, here you go. And she said, I knew it. I knew it. She went, I knew when I said, Katie, get out of the car, you were going to tell me something. My <laughs> mum so, was so excited. And then I met my sister and my little brother, and we all went out for a curry. And I gave my sister the stick. And she went, what are you giving me a <laughs> curry? I said, Whitney, look at it again. And she was like... <gasps> so I told, like, family, like, early, which... I know you're not supposed to, but because it was such a process and because I was always telling them like, all right, yeah, we're going to the
0: clinic. I always had them in the loop. That's something that's ingrained in us that we can't tell people until 12 weeks that it's not the right thing to do. But ultimately, it's like you said about, you know, not letting yourself almost get excited so that you could protect Katie. I feel like you need those people around you to know, the people that you love, because if the worst happens, you need someone to be there for you as well. It's like it's almost a dirty secret otherwise. You know, it's like miscarriage is a dirty secret. We just hide it. We won't tell anyone because if it happens, it's easier to not talk about and forget.
2: I think as women we do that with a lot of things and I think we have to make ourselves more vulnerable and be more open because nine times out of ten in a room full of women, a lot of them have probably gone through, you know, what you have. So, yeah, I I think it's so important to try and talk and... I mean, I'm sitting here saying that, like, I'm the best person at talking. I'm terrible at it, you know? So, but I do think as women, we can be better to, I think, help each other as well. Each other up and say, actually, yeah, I went through that. Or I think it'll just spark so many more conversations and, we'll learn a lot more about ourselves as as women and Mm. how to just deal with things. Again, you don't think of these things, but I remember seeing, I can't remember the name of the celebrity, but there was a celebrity who had a baby and she had um, preeclampsia. Never heard of it. And I read the story and I remember sitting on the sofa and I, I don't get emotional, but wow, I was like, that's awful. I was like, imagine going through that. Well, we went through that. You know, little things like that. I just think it's so important to share your story, which is why I'm quite open to come on podcasts, to talk about things, because you probably are helping a lot more people than you think.
0: Yeah, and something like preeclampsia, I think it's, on the whole, I would say, something that you mostly only hear about when you are pregnant. So it's something that, if you knew more about it, like in the same way of starting to try for a baby in a same-sex couple, you know, that knowledge almost has to be out there before you get to that point?
2: I feel like the information's almost too late when you get it or you hear about it or you're in the situation. And like our situation would have been like so much better if we were given more like advice or here's the signs for preeclampsia or, you know, if this happens, it was all just too late. And I was like, but but why isn't there more information? Because I wouldn't have known anything about it if I didn't read, read this story. So Katie, I used to work for the NHS so she's very in tune with her body. She's yeah. very good at, you know, reading signs for things. And she had really high blood pressure. So she was like, I'm going to go and get checked. And I was cooking tea. I said, do you want me to come? She said, no, no. You stay, you sort tea. I'll be back. Well, for weeks I kept saying, pack your baby bag. Pack your bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, get the phone call. Not allowed home. Blood pressure won't come down. So I said, right, well, what needs to happen? She was like, right, I need the baby bag and I need the bag. So... Went up there, took the bag. And the nurse said, where's your bag? I said, which means we're not due for another few weeks. No, no, we need to get the baby out. So when I got there, I said, right, okay. So I said, I'm going to have to go back home. Katie hadn't eaten by this point. So I come back home, got a tea, packed my bag, and went up there. And it just went from, like, zero to 100. Like, they couldn't get her blood pressure down, and they said, you know, we're worried in case she has a seizure. So I was like, right okay.
0: Was she 34 weeks pregnant at this point?
2: Uh, Yeah so I was like Ugh. and then in the morning next thing I knew there was like 10 people in the room and it, it was saying get the baby out and then it was Katie's the concern not the baby and I was like what is going on so Katie's now upset because they're obviously saying you know Katie's the concern and not the baby and this it makes me feel really sad when I say it but in my head I was sat there thinking how do I weigh this up I was like well, I need Katie here because if anything happens to the baby, we can go again, we can try again. So I was like, I need Katie here. It was almost like I was deciding between the baby and Katie because I was hearing these comments. I just remember it from, you know, zero to a hundred and I was trying to listen to everyone and logically, because I was thinking, I'm going to have to decide if Katie, you know, too upset and whatnot. So after it all happened, she went, I'm not getting a C-section. I'm not, I'm not getting one. Don't want one. And I was just like, Unfortunately, Katie, you might not have listened to anything that <laughs> we've said, but you are getting one, and you need to, and you have to, because at this point we didn't have time on our side, because of the preeclampsia. Yeah. So she's like, "I'm not getting one," and then I think I think different again because of being an athlete. But Katie was just adamant; she didn't want to see a section. She didn't want the scar, and I said, "Hey, I said, what's wrong with the scar?" I said, "I've got one on my stomach, so you'll have one, and I'll have one, so that's fair." Yeah. So I try to, you know, like, make it a bit of a joke. So she ended up having to have a C-section. After the C-section, I was like, brilliant, like, we're out the woods, fine. And they were like, oh, yeah, Katie didn't bleed a lot. And now we just have to monitor her, like, if anything's going to happen because of preeclampsia, it's now. So I was like, what is going on? So Katie was in one room. Harlan had to be taken up to the NICU ward. It was just crazy once he was here because she wanted to breastfeed as well. So that I was asking get milk, take it up in a syringe, give it in the syringe, come back down. So yeah, from the day he was born, it was just crazy. Yeah.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: How long was it until everyone could come home? I think it was a week
2: well, Katie struggled in there because obviously she had the C-section. They say you're not allowed to lift, you're not allowed to move. And she said, you're making this a lot harder for me. She said, let me go home or you let my partner stay so she can help.
0: Yeah.
2: They wouldn't allow it. So you're hearing noises of the hospital beds, yeah. the nurses are in and out. So she was like, I'm not sleeping. And then it was like, well, Harlan needs feeding, but you're saying I can't let him like, I can't pick him up. She was like, So you're actually making this more difficult yeah. when I do have a supportive partner at home who wants to help, who wants to be here. You're not allowing it.
0: Mm. That's really tough. Well, actually, one thing I am going to go back a little bit because let's talk about finding out the gender of your baby. <laughs> I mean, I just want to know how this happened. So, obviously, you shared a little video of you popping in yeah. a little popper thing and it's all pink. At what point in the pregnancy was this and where did this information come from? So we were, I think, 16 weeks
2: pregnant and we we were impatient. So we went and got an early scan. We said to the guys at the clinic, we said, look, don't tell us the gender. Can you put it in like the balloon? Because we want to do a reveal or whatever. But as well, this reveal, I was like, I don't want everyone to be there. Like, I was like, I just want this moment to be me and you. Like, yeah. we've waited so long so, I'm quite glad that I said that because I was like, imagine we did this big party and had everyone there. And we, you know, but yeah, I remember I think it was Christmas Eve. I think we popped it. So, we were like, amazing. It created such a pink mess. The mess. Oh, I did not realize I had pink on the ceiling. <laughs> it was on the fridge. Like, weeks later, I was like looking in the top of the cupboard and it was in the cupboard. I was like, it literally went everywhere. <laughs> But I was like, whatever. For for someone that has OCD I, at that time, I was like, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> but it did kill me. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, oh, amazing, we're having a girl. You know, my family got excited. We were excited. We got the room done. You know, we got room painted, everything. Dresses were bought. There was dresses. There was pink things. We had a lot of, like, neutral colours as well, luckily. Oh, yeah, we had the 20-week scan. I was at training. I said to Katie, do you want me to come? She said, no, no, we'll, we'll be fine. So she went by herself. Well, I had a missed call. I had two missed calls. Well, my heart sank because of, Katie never rings more than once if it's, you know, unless it's an emergency. So I had missed calls and the signal was not very good at City either. So I was like, right, okay. So I rang her and she's sobbing. So I was like, what's going on? I was like, Katie, what is the matter? And she was going, <gasps> and I said, what's wrong? I said, right, you said, guess." I said, What And I said, we're having twins? She was like, no. And I said, right, is the baby healthy? Is the baby all right? She said, yeah, yeah. I said, right, okay, what's going on? Do you remember having a boy? I went, all right, okay. I said, brilliant, like, amazing. And she was like, does anything ever bother you? And I was like, well, yeah, but the baby's healthy we're having a
0: point now so she just was like you're so annoying like <laughs> you're taking it in such a laid-back way it's fine it's fine <laughs> so then I
2: went out to train and I was like "Girls, you'll never guess what so I told them they were like oh my god they're like no way like only that could happen to you and I was like well what does that mean and they were like well Because you're so laid back, like, it's all right. Like, (laughs) you know, that's what we mean. So I was like, right, okay. So I come home. Kate was in the biggest mood. She was still upset. But then I was like, I get it from her point of view because she's carrying, she's connected to the baby. We had names as well, like girls' names. So I was like, I get it from her point of view. So I said, right, get your coat on, we're going out. She went, where are we going? I said, we're going to the Trafford Centre. So we went to the Trafford Centre and we went to Zara and we bought some boy clothes so once we'd bought boy clothes, then I think she was a bit like, "All right, okay, coming round to it." Again, I just was like, "Look, Katie, the baby's healthy." Like, and like I say, I always try and relate to other people. Yeah. And so yeah. many like friends who have gone through like terrible things of losing babies and people miscarry. So that again, that's how I then brought us back to like yeah. our reality almost. If I'm honest, I was so excited we were having a girl. And it sounds awful, but I had this daunting feeling and I was like, we're having a girl and I'm going to have to prepare her for this world. So we're going to have to create a warrior Katie. And she was like, what are you on about? And I was like, you know, girls are like vulnerable. But again, I said, I shouldn't be saying girls are more vulnerable because, you know, kids are kids and any kids are vulnerable. But in my head, I was almost like, we've got a tough challenge in our hands. Like, do you know what I mean? And like, I was saying, you have to have like really serious conversations she was like wow you've really thought about this and I was like no like girls are vulnerable like they go out and you've got to have these conversations you know when you're going out about how things can happen and stuff like that so she was like do you not want a girl and I was like no it's not that I didn't want a girl but again because I thought we were having a girl that was my thought process like right I'm gonna have to prepare like a warrior girl here and give her the wits about the world and whatnot and she's like well do you not think that about harlan and i said no i still do but like i think boys are just like not that the less vulnerable do you know what i mean yeah, yeah, like yeah. i don't i know what i'm trying to say but that was my thought process and i was so excited we were having a girl and then i did have a little do feeling feeling i was like wow i need to prepare get a yeah. warrior prepared here almost
0: i can understand katie's reaction in some way i can understand in lots of ways but one way in particular is the nesting thing that takes over yeah feeling like you're almost prepared in whatever way you've made steps to be prepared i know gender doesn't change what you've already prepared but it does because in your mind you know where you're going and then all of a sudden there's a shift that's out of your control oh yeah definitely i totally got it from
2: like katie's point of view and I always try and do that I think I always think all right well in this moment why is she feeling like that and equally Katie's not been an athlete so yeah. when things do change a lot of people don't like change as athletes were used to things times of changing or your game's cancel or you know think yeah. your schedules changes all the time so again I think that helps me as well but I always try and think if I was pregnant if I'm heavily pregnant what would I want and what would I need from Katie at that point?
0: During the birth, so afterwards, once everyone was OK, although you obviously worried about Katie and preeclampsia at that point, can you remember having Harlan having a moment with him, that realisation of, this is a new chapter?
2: Because she had the C-section, obviously Katie was on the table. I had to go and cut the cord. The nurse said, if he cries, that's good news because his lungs are fully formed because he was premature. If he doesn't, we're going to have to rush him off. So that was the next thing I was like. And I remember someone went, oh, he's out. It was just silent. So me and Kay looked at each other and I thought, you know, kind of thing. And then another nurse was like, he's not out yet. Like, don't worry. And I remember I heard the cry and that was a relief. So I was like, that was another thing. But I actually got to have a moment with Harlan as soon as he was born because I got to cut the cord. Yeah, I just was staring at him because I just was like, how like on the screen what a little raisin (sighs) he's finally here and I just stared at him and then I took him over to Katie yeah it's just the best thing like when people say oh wait till you have kids it's the best thing and you think oh yeah yeah but it really isn't there's no way to describe it until you're in that moment Mm. what was it like when you finally got to leave hospital I remember I was so excited so I'd been training I knew we were allowed to come home so then I went up to the hospital but they were like, oh, you can go out whatever time. And I was thinking, well, we're not, because you've got to sit and wait and the yeah. process is long. But I remember I, before I went to the hospital, I come home and I blitzed the house. I already had like the crib in the corner. I had um, all the little like baskets with the nappies, the wipes. Like I just had everything ready because I was so excited. So I remember we left the hospital. I think it was quite late. I think it might have been about 8 o'clock at night. And I had to set the car seat up. I set that up. We got him in, and I remember we just come in the house, and he was wrapped up in his um, blanket, and we just placed him on the sofa. And then I was like, "Well, what do we do now with this little human? <laughs> We've just been sent home with like no guidance, really, because even when we were in hospital, depending on what ward you're on, some people were like feed them every three hours. You need to do this. Don't bath them till this. Don't do that." And then we just got home and then I was like, all right, well, where's all the noise? Where's everyone's opinions now? Like, what do we do? So then it was, all right, we need to figure this little human now. I had younger brothers and stuff, but I can't remember like what I did or what you do or, and then when it's your own, it's, very different as well so I think even like feeding times we were like trying to figure that out and sometimes we would sit and wait till 12 o'clock to feed them because we were like right he's had that feed at that time where we were like actually why don't we just go to sleep and get off so it was just like it's like all that you try and like
0: figure out as well it's a whole new way of existing oh yeah you just (laughs)
2: don't
0: and you had two weeks at home and then you had to go off for six weeks for the euros yeah I know you knew it was coming, but how did you feel leaving, knowing that you were going to be away for that length of time? I remember I kept saying to Katie, I needed Harlan to come early because I was like, the earlier he comes,
2: selfishly, the better it was. Yeah. If he had come on his actual due date, I would have been in like mid-tournament and in my head I was like, would I have to leave? Like, So all that was coming in my mind. And when he come early and we were home, I was like... This is perfect, almost, because I was like, I get the two weeks. But then I almost made it harder because then I just had to go. I just had to go. And then Katie was like, well, now I'm by myself and you've been a massive help. What do I do? And again, I panicked because I was like, she's on her own. I'm away, you know, because postnatal depression is massive. That was then my next thing I was worrying about. (laughs) So I was like, you know, if you have any doubts or you're feeling, you know, overwhelmed or anything i was like you ring me and i'm coming home like there's no question that and it's only now where she's truthful with me and she was like i did find it hard but she was like i wanted you to be there but i wanted to be there for you so it was
0: almost two weeks at home as well you'd have seen like the rawness the messiness you know all of that stuff that comes with it i think so often when we go and see newborns it's a case of oh it's a lovely cuddly time and then we leave and actually we don't see the mess that's behind all of that yeah because that's what I said
2: even as well I said if you're not ready for visitors like you need to just say but because it's just such a nice time in your life you want your loved ones there you you want them to be there and see Katie's only like truthful like now where she said I probably should have asked for help more but I knew that because that's why I think I was stressing a little bit like Katie like are you all right or and again, I don't even know if it's a thing, but Harlan had colic where he did the screaming from, like, six at night, two, three hours, and Kate was like, it's relentless. It's like someone's screaming right in your face. Yeah. So then, like, she had that, and then I'd be like, have you ate? No, I've not ate all day, and I'd be like, Kate, you need to eat, because if you're not 100%, how can you give yourself, you know, fully to Harlan? Um, And that's a bit dramatic, because you do get through it, but all those things are still important. Like I kept saying to her, yes, you're a mum now, but you're still Katie. So treat yourself as Katie as well as a mum. I think a lot of women struggle to do that.
0: Mm.
2: It's only now where she's like, actually, I did struggle. And if I do go through it again and I do need help, she was like, I will ask for more help. Loads of people saying, let me know if you need this or, you know, we can take Harlan or if you just want to go and get a bath. Like there was lots of people saying, you know, I'll come and help you. But I think when you're a first-time mum, you just think this is normal and this is how it is.
0: Yeah. Because I say all those things to a lot of people. I know that I've had a lot of people say those things to me. I would never take them up. You know what I mean? It's just that thing of, whereas I know that when you're offering, I mean it sincerely, you know. And I know the people offering to help me would have meant it sincerely. But it feels like such a leap to kind of go, yeah, please, just come and help my baby so I can... Shower or do something
1: that's for
2: Yeah. Them. And again, like I was saying, it'll be really interesting when I carry. In. Will I feel the same or will it be so different because Katie's gone through it? And she's like, no, Debbie, like you are going to take a bath and I'm um, taking the yeah. baby or let so and so take the baby. So I don't know if I'll be the same. Will I be different because I've seen Katie go through it? Yeah. I don't know. But I just think until you're in that baby bubble, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the plan for you to carry next time? I would love to carry next I won't be as excited as Katie I don't think like I've never known anyone to love being pregnant so much like Katie loved it like every time I'd be night she was on Assos and she was like oh look at this dress like won't it look good in the bump and I'm going to get new bras like she just loved it and embraced it and it looked good on her but I said I don't think I'm going to be like that what
0: do you think he will be like
2: I mean I'm definitely just probably going to be in like big baggy joggers and like t-shirts I ain't wearing these nice cute dresses to show my bump off but... <laughs> and then I keep saying and I'm still gonna work out and she'd be like let's see if you work out because the tiredness of being pregnant hits you and I'm like nope I'm still gonna be going to the gym I'm still gonna be
0: doing this. Also as Natalie you're so in tune with your body so having it go through something completely different to what it's used to going through might be just completely fascinating to you as well.
2: Yeah I think I definitely will but, but even when Katie was pregnant I was like just watching a baby grow inside Katie and then Harlan's kicking and then you've seen like the ripples on her like stomach when they move and when they roll. I was like women are incredible. Like what your body goes through and then how it just recovers. And how people do it five times and more yeah. is crazy to me. So obviously I've had friends and cousins and aunties and uncles. They've had kids and you think, Oh yeah, like the pregnant like yeah, congrats. But I think to see it firsthand, the journey And I think even more so because of we went
0: through IVF. Yeah.
2: I just was like, I was like, wow, that's so cool.
0: Yeah. If you could write a letter on motherhood, who would it be to and what would you say? I'd probably write it to Harlan and I would just say that I'll always have
2: patience with him. I'll always love him because that's just what kids want, first and foremost. That's just what they want. And I'll always give him my time. He'll always have my time.
0: I love that. We finished the podcast with you completing three sentences. The first one is being a mum means... You're always tired, but you're the most happiest. <laughs> Since having a child, I... Don't worry about things that don't matter anymore. And I'm happy when...
2: I'm with little bubbles and Katie.
0: I love these cool bubbles. <laughs> so cute. Yeah,
2: it's... <laughs> it just randomly come about because... Katie used to call him Bubbles Boo Boo. And then I was like, actually, I quite like Bubbles. So now I just call them Bubbles. And then now everyone calls them Bubbles. Like my mum was like, how's Bubbles today? Whitney's like, how's Bubbles? And like the girls are like, how's Bubbles? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's just, it's like a little barrel because that's what we used to call him a little barrel because he just eats all the time and he's stocky. Yeah, so That's where it come
0: about. <laughs> I love that so much. Demi, thank you so much. I've loved this thank I love you. your mind I absolutely love it I love the logic the way that it's pragmatic I love the fact that you soak up other people's stories and that you're able to help those sort of manage whatever you're going through you're fascinating but weirdly really excited about your future your future family life your future <laughs> career life yeah I'm blown away by you thank you so much
2: thank you for having me I've enjoyed sharing my story so thank you for giving me that platform thank you very much
0: We have something very exciting to talk about today. Happy mum, happy baby. Well, we are expanding. We're only releasing our very first record. Yes, Move Over McFly, Move Over Tom Fletcher. It's all about happy mum, happy baby. We're going into music, people. We have teamed up with Decca Records and LifeScore to build a one-stop shop for quality, trustworthy, educational music for baby, toddler and parent. Music is such a massive part of our family and I'm so thrilled with what we've created. I can't wait to for you to hear it. Now, it's worth saying that all the sounds on the album, they are played by real instruments and they feature real nature sounds. There is nothing processed. It is all organic. And all of the music aims to be enjoyable listening experience for both the child and the parent. No plonky, plonky piano. It's all just beautiful musician's with their instruments honestly it's a joy to listen to we all know the number one rule for getting your little one to sleep is to stick to a trusted routine and my hope with this album is that our creation can be a part of that and make bedtime an easier transition for all the ultimate baby sleep album is here and it encompasses three parts of baby sleep and it runs in three sections wind down going to sleep and staying asleep, running seamlessly from top to bottom for the ultimate baby sleep experience. And each section lasts around 30 minutes. So let's delve into each section and tell you what they're about. The wind down is a perfect calming music for bath time and any other pre-bed activity. This encourages special bonding time between parent and baby to prepare sleep. The melodies I've chosen to feature within the music have a very special place within my own experience of sleep routine. I loved singing little ditties or little lullabies and, and this, it's just got that lovely, gentle, melodic feeling to it. The melodies can be easily hummed by parents to capture the bonding power of a parent's voice. And actually, as you listen to the music, you might even catch a few melodies of some traditional classics that were just... They just fill my heart with such love. The next section we have is called Going to Sleep. How we created this was so interesting and I absolutely loved the recording process to kind of really feel that breath actually of the musicians as they were playing. It also features natural sounds and it entwines the lullabies from the previous wind down to encourage baby to nod off at their own pace and in a relaxed state of mind. Those two sections, they kind of work together and they build We've found that this is the ideal transition for baby to acknowledge that it is now time to go to sleep. And then the next section, the final section, is during sleep or staying asleep. I like to call it staying asleep because that's the dream, people. But it provides 30 minutes of natural and environmental white noise derived from nature sounds. And then actually this leads into an additional nine and a half hours of natural white noise for babies to prefer continuous white noise once asleep no waking up in the middle of the night to press a little button on a sheep not anymore there's been so much thought and love poured into these tracks we've gone through so many different versions I've pulled on the music that I love that makes me feel nice and calm and together with Life Score and Decca Records we've really created something that I feel is really magical I played it to my kids they love it I'm so thrilled. (laughs) Can you imagine they didn't? And actually, I have to say that even as an adult, sitting at my desk and listening to different versions, I have often fallen asleep in the best way, in a very contented way. Some might call it work, some might call it a nice little nap. Either way, I loved it and it was all because of this album. With 12 hours of continuous music to help your baby sleep through the night, we are so proud to introduce you to Happy Mum, Happy Baby, The Sleep Album. I can't wait for you to hear it and then for you to tell me how you're getting on.
1: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.